the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm all right today. I'm listening to the music, folks. Then I'll be with you in a moment. You agree, Jules? Oh, it's great music. By the way, I get a lot of people emailing me asking what the name of the song is. Sean, can you say it in Dennis's ear and Dennis can repeat it if you have it on hand? Why? Did, you didn't choose it? I, I thought I you did choose it. I did choose it, but uh, uh, Sean sent me a list of a few songs and I chose it, but I don't remember the name. Oh, what is the name, Sean? Nathaniel Ratliff in the Night Sweats. That's of what course. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> You worry me. I love it. I, I'm going to look that up. Boy, that's that's interesting. The opening of our podcast is a song called You Worry Me. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I know. <laughs> By the way, before I even introduce the show, do you know, I, I think it's idiosyncratic on my part, but I almost never hear lyrics. That's interesting. I, yeah, now that I think about it, I listen more to, when I listen to music, it's not really so much about the lyrics for me. It's about the way that the sound makes me feel. Right. That's me. Right. Well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm very curious. People, please write in to me. I, I'd be very interested to know if that's the same for others. Sean, is it the same for you? I think most people listen to the words. We're bringing Sean into this podcast. Your music than words. I think more males are music than words, and females are more uh, more words, words than, than music. music. This is Dennis and Julie. I'm Dennis. That's Julie. Dennis Prager. Julie Hartman. What what number is it? Eighteen. You know that uh, in Judaism, eighteen is a very significant number. Why? Because it's hard to explain, but I I think I can do it. In in Hebrew. Each letter, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each letter is a number. So the first letter, Aleph, is one. The next bet is two. Mm-hmm. Then you get to 10. Okay, that, that continues. But then there's, so 11 would be the two letters of 10 and 1. Mm-hmm. Or, or for that matter, 6 and 5. They, they would equal 11. So the... Uh, in Hebrew, the two letters that make up 18 are, mean chai, which means life. Oh, interesting. And Judaism is very, very, very life-oriented. That's why when you, in English, you go cheers when you when you drink mm-hmm. together. Uh, l'chaim. In, in, yes. Yes. Jews in, say l'chaim. L'chaim. To it, life. It, to life. And... and so in Russian, it's nazdarovya, which is to your health. Salud is, again, what, you know, what, what would salud mean? Also health. And, and uh, but life is the big deal. And by the way, very often Jews will give charity in multiples of 18. 
So I will often give, if it's a Jew oh, getting married, yes. I will give 10 times chai, which is 180. I remember that because when, when I was younger and I went to bar and bat mitzvahs a lot, my parents would give me a check for my friend and it was always a multiple of 18. And, and your parents are not Jewish. Which They're is, not Jewish. Which Somehow is, they knew that. that that's very, no, well, that's, that, by the way, I'm not joking. You tell them. I find that very impressive that a non-Jew would think that sensitively about what would be meaningful to a Jewish kid or their parents. You know, I'm going to go home and ask them where they learned that because now that I know, I just, gosh, when I was little, I just remember thinking, oh, okay, it's kind of weird, but there must be some significance to it. Now that I've heard what the significance is to you, it really is quite meaningful. Right, the second you said it's the 18th Dennis and Julie broadcast, I thought, oh, to life. So listen to this, everybody, and get a big kick out of this. My This weekend, my wife gets a picture, a photo, through her texts. And it was sent by uh, her son, my stepson's girlfriend, who's all of 19 years of age, but very mature, wonderful girl. And what is the picture? <laughs> she, she was at a Starbucks in a place called La Crescenta, California, a little north of where we're broadcasting from or make our podcast from. And so that's it's north of L.A. In, 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 in the foothills of the mountains, about a half hour away. She's at the Starbucks, sends my wife a picture of a good-looking guy about 30 years of age reading the Rational Bible by Dennis Prager. In the Starbucks. In the Starbucks. <laughs> so what is Dennis's immediate reaction? Julie's husband. <laughs> I have met Julie's husband. And by the way, everyone, he <laughs> called me with Sue. I called you, yes. not the guy. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. yes, not the guy. We're, right. we're on the lookout yes, for the no, guy. Yes, no, that's what I want to announce. That's why we're announcing we, it. We're on the lookout for you, sir. And Dennis called me and he said, I, I found your husband. And we were joking around, although I don't really know if it was a joke, if, if we well, look back at it. I, I, hope, I hope it's not a joke, but I, I never joke about that. I, my dream is to find you a good man that you deserve. Well, I was going to say we were joking around that we should go to the Starbucks and, and put, put up, up signs. Like a missing dog. <laughs> missing the following patron of this Starbucks. How funny. We have a wife for you. By the way, the guy might be married for all we know. I never thought of that. Well, in the picture, he doesn't have a ring on. Oh, you, good. I'm glad Investigator you Investigator Sue um, noted that. Oh, God. My, my friends, I am committed to fidelity and, thank God, have been a faithful husband. But I will tell you that more than morality, more than love of my wife, more than God himself. What stops me is that my wife is a detective. Oh, she is. She really is. And you know what? She's exceptionally good at combing through the news and finding interesting 
and not talked about stories. I said to her about a year ago, because she sends you emails every single day and Alan Estrin, your producer, with stories that you should talk about on your show. And I said to her, please start CCing me on these emails. She sends about 10 a day. And they're really, really right. good stuff, rich stuff. So, yes, we're, we're on the lookout for that guy. Dennis, I think that we should both go to that Starbucks at the same time and same day that uh, Reed's girlfriend you know spotted what? him. I think we should, and maybe we should Just even video it. Oh, how funny would that I, be? I, I think we should go over to one of the clerks or whatever they're called. They have a name for Barista. Starbucks. Baristas. Yeah, Baristas. One of the baristas. <laughs> Uh, I wrote the book that this guy was reading, and we'd love to meet him. (laughs) What a courageous thing to do. I mean, it shouldn't have to be courageous. It's sad that I'm saying it is courageous to read your rational Bible in a Starbucks in Los Angeles. It's very sad. It is. La Crescenta is a more conservative area. We do have conservative areas, contrary to public opinion. That's true, we do. uh, the The whole scene was hilarious. You know, my mom's cousin met his wife in a Starbucks. They were sitting, um, my my mom's cousin, Joe, and his father, Joe, were sitting in a Starbucks in Washington, D.C. This was about 30 or 40 years ago. And this beautiful Argentinian woman and her mother walked into the Starbucks. And my mom's cousin's father said to him, kind of nudged him and said, go over and talk to that girl. And my mom's cousin was like, no, oh gosh, she, she wouldn't go for me. Or it's, you know, it's a bit impertinent to walk up to someone in the middle of the Starbucks. And his father nudged him and they met and they ended up getting married. So you know what? Go, okay, go on. And Ed. the CEO of Starbucks wrote them a note. How oh, that, fun is that? that Saying is, congratulations. Yes. They have it framed in their house. So I, I have a serious question about that. What did he say to her? When I was single, and I was single till 32, and I was blessed with a very good social life because I was already a public figure, and that's right. a big help. But just approaching a stranger, I don't have any issue. I, I love, that's all I do is approach strangers. But that specific thing, boy meets girl, what, what do you say in a Starbucks that doesn't sound like a line that she's heard a hundred times. Oh, I've got to go ask him. I, I, Please ask him. So I, I have wonder two if questions. he remembers. I'm going to go home, ask my parents, when, when did you learn that 18 thing about Judaism? And then I'm going to call my mom's cousin Joe and ask him that. I wonder if he remembers. He probably does. But I, I, I want you to know I feel for guys in this regard. I do too. And you know, well, it's very interesting. I, I'm interested to hear what you would say to women. What, what was your you pickup line? Well, or if you saw uh, a woman in a Starbucks, okay. So I will what tell you. you oh, you will love this. Then I don't, you may have heard this story, but I, I didn't tell this to you directly. But you may have heard me say it, and I hope you didn't, because you'll crack up if if you haven't. So I remember once, in my I guess my mid twenties, late twenties. And for I don't even know why I was in a bar. I remember it being in a bar. You in a bar? That's well, no, no. Oh, I know. I know. It was probably a restaurant bar combination right. because I, I don't drink. Right. Not 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 out of principle. I just don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm, I'm as the British say, I'm chatting her up and and making headway. I felt, and uh, then she said, "So what do you do?" And I said, oh, I, I, I write and lecture. 
And I thought, oh, that's, that's going to really, uh, that goes over well. Yes. And she goes, oh, really? About what? You, oh, you know I what do. I said? Yes, but go on. I said, ethical monotheism. I, yes. And she got up and left. No, I'm kidding. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it, it, the, it, it died. But you know what? In a way, that's a blessing because you want to know uh, if I that agree person, with you. Right. But my only intent was not matrimony. Right. Um, I'm, You're being honest. I'm being honest. And so eth- that was the last time. Oh, it wasn't the last. There was one more, but it wasn't a pickup situation. <laughs> it was on a plane. And I remember where even going to Kentucky to give a lecture. <laughs> Woman sits next, sitting next to me. Well, what brings you to Louisville? I pronounce it the way they do. And I go, I'm going to give a lecture. He said, oh, really? Uh, what's your subject? I go, monotheism. I drop the ethical. Monotheism. Oh, well, let me tell you, I have rheumatism. Oh, that is hilarious. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's precious. That's a perfect. You could not make that up. No, you couldn't. That is so funny. She thought it was a disease. Oh, my God. (laughs) It is certainly not. It's the cure. It is not is a disease. Right. It is the cure. You know, <laughs> I am so, Dennis, remarkably unclued in when it comes to dating things. I like to think that in life I'm very good at picking up on social cues and I'm clued in to conversations and interactions. But when it comes to dating and if someone's flirting with me, I basically need to be told explicitly that I am being flirted with. Otherwise, I will not know. And I've had friends before read text messages that I have with guys, and they'll go, oh, my gosh, he really likes you. He's flirting with you. And I'll go, what? What are you talking about? No, he's not. And then it turns out he was. I, th- this story you'll find to be interesting because I think it says a lot about um, the unfortunate state of dating culture among people in my generation. But it's a, it's a sweet story. I was visiting Cambridge Back in October of 2020, um, we were sent home that year due to COVID. It was my junior year. And there were some friends I had who were living off campus in Cambridge Zooming. And so I just made a trip because what the hell else was I doing that semester to Cambridge to visit my friends off campus. And there's this fabulous ice cream store in Harvard Square called J.P. Licks. It's named after uh, Jamaica Plains. It's a suburb of Boston. That's what the JP stands for. They have the best ice cream. I gained 15 pounds freshman year that I have since lost, thank God, but thanks to that ice cream. Anyway, it was late at night, and um, I had just seen one of my friends, and before I went back to my hotel, I had to stop there to get um, an ice cream cone. And I was just sitting outside. It was October. It was a nice evening, just eating my ice cream alone. And this guy walked up to me, and he sat down with me. And I immediately... You know, well, he, he sat down. Well, he, I should clarify, he approached and he said, um, Hi, I'm, oh God, I can't remember his name, Jim or Joe, started with a J. Um, I think you're really beautiful. Do you mind if I sit? And I was very, very taken aback. And he looked, you know, he didn't, he didn't look menacing, so I let him sit. And he was really sweet. He was saying, I'm a graduate student. I'm living off campus. You know, what, what flavor is that? You know, he was just being nice. And I was so freaked out. I just sat there kind of paralyzed. I didn't, and you know me, I'm, I am right. rarely without words. I just, 
I didn't know what to do and I felt really bad and I I said to him, you know, oh, I, I so appreciate, you know, your, I don't know, your forthcomingness or your politeness. I, sa- I said something, but I, I just, I'm not comfortable with this. And really? he got up and left. Yes. Really? And then, and then, you know, Dennis, after he got up and I left, feel bad for him. I feel so bad for him too. If you're listening, Jim or Joe or whoever the heck you are, I'm sorry. I don't remember your name. I want to apologize to you. I wasn't rude at all, but I was, I was just, it, it was, it was kind of, um, I thought at the time it was creepy. And then I so looked wait, back and I thought... how old were you? I was 20. So it's important... Or I guess I was 21. So, so, so what year were you in? I was a junior in okay, college and so, I was sitting outside Well, that's odd. I thought you might have been a freshman because you went to an all-girls high school. I did. So my suspicion is your knowledge of men was close to zero. Oh, yes. Right. Well, that my knowledge of women true. was close to zero. Yes. So... I, I I had a brother and that was it. I mean, I didn't I didn't real, I didn't have any women in my. I mean, I had my mother in my life, but mm-hmm. uh, so that you were a junior and reacted that way. He I know. sounds like he was. He was being, he was sweet, but it it just so took me by surprise. And so wait, was, so really, you were you open to any guy coming and sitting down with you? You know, this. What is, if the guy have come and said, you know, oh, gee, what do you think of Voltaire? <laughs> Well, this is what's interesting, Dennis. I, that moment was a, actually a very big one in my life, and I thought about it a lot. I thought at the time that I was willing. If, if someone said to me, what if, what if you were eating ice cream outside of J. Pelix and someone sat and started talking with you, a cute guy? I would have said, of course, you know, great, I would, have, I would love that. But then when it happened to me, there was something that, an alarm that went off inside of me. And I realized that throughout my whole life, and certainly at my all-girls school, this was taught to me. We we were taught to see actions like that as creepy oh, and menacing. That is so important. And it, oh it went up, and I felt the second he left, yes, he yes. walked around the corner and I realized, Julie, what did you just do? That was so stupid. He was nice. He wasn't you know, he didn't like come up and you know, he didn't seem menacing. I was so taken aback and my internal alarm went off it was a pavlovian response but it was a pavlovian response that was induced by by the culture yes it's not a pavlovian response in a woman of course it's a pavlovian response today that's that's important and dennis i thought to myself i actually this is telling you all the details of the story i felt so bad i like walked around the corner to go find him again just to apologize but but he was he was long gone by that point I felt I, again. I wasn't rude to him. I don't feel bad about you know. I didn't think well, I was you, sharp. No, no, you weren't rude. But I feel bad about a missed opportunity. Him. Yeah, I, 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 and right. and I feel bad for the future time that he may see a girl and he doesn't do that because oh, of that experience that's so with me. True. And I said to myself, you know what, Julie, you are never ever going to let that happen again. I'm sure you didn't. And I, I, it's happened since, and I've let only one other time since. And this is what's sad: men don't do that anymore, right? And this was the one this. because of this. That's right. And this was the one time that guy did it, and I have to tell you, I feel awful. This is one of the many arenas in which I just, I, I work against getting depressed when I know what they have done to you. You, you meaning your generation, it, it was so much healthier in, in, in the past when you had these, it's so ironic, we, we went in, 
in the 60s and 70s to free love and all that stuff, you know, and no more of these uh, rules from the past. When I was at Columbia, the girls had dorms, the boys had dorms. You you uh, you couldn't uh, you you couldn't go to the girls' room. They called her down. So and so was here here to meet you. Right, and and you had to be back uh, by a certain time weekdays and a certain time on weekends. Uh, and and of course, oh, oh all these uh, puritanical Victorian rules, but men and women got along so much better. That's the irony, and it's very respectful. Yes, you know, it's not conducive to a one night stand. It's right, con- it's That's conducive right. to dating and getting to know someone. I know. I, I can't tell you how bad I'm I feel about sh- that. Yeah, I'm just shaking my head. But you, 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 the, your, your, ins- your insight into it is so important. So this is, by the way, uh, just if, if I can reveal it, and if not, we'll excise it from it. So I just said how bad I feel for your generation and what, what the left has done to you with the progressives, so to, so, so-called progressives. And that's what you want to write about. You mm-hmm. just told me about a book you're thinking of. Yes, what the left has done to my generation. Yes, I think it wouldn't hurt to begin with that story. Yes, you're right. That is a very good... I mean, I could begin with so many stories. That's right. Well, story, well stories would be very important for Perhaps that for each, you know, maybe for the love and dating chapter, yeah. I start with that story. Maybe right. I start with a different story for each chapter. I think the thesis statement... Well, there's no love and no dating. That's the irony. Right. The thesis statement of the book... Actually, I'm inspired by what we discussed last week. Remember when you said to me um, that when you were growing up, you were taught to value God and country. Mm-hmm. And you said to me, what were you taught? And I was said, I was taught to value myself. That, I think, is the root of so many of our problems. That, I mean, you, you've said many times, Dennis, that if there's been one thing that you've been arguing for the past almost 40 years of radio, it's been that secular secularism or extreme secularism has harmed our country i think that that goes along perfectly with what has happened to my generation now we are taught to trust ourselves only we don't rely on something like religion we don't rely on the wisdom of our elders and that makes for a sad and desiccating life because you can't if you're just the arbiter of your own truth if you are your own arbiter of right and wrong you don't you don't behave well and you don't lead a happy life so that's that's my thesis statement i think of the book when you say and you're right when i asked you so what does your generation learn to value myself ourselves so i i started to, to to smile the reason for my smile was I don't believe I was told once in my life value yourself it was the entire it was not in the vocabulary of my parents it was not right. in the vocabulary of my religious Jewish education mm-hmm. N- not that there was ever a, a call to non-value yourself but the, the the irony is the self-esteem generation has less self-esteem. Oh, totally. Le- totally. Less happiness than those of us who were taught, you're not that great. <laughs> That's what I was taught. Yes. You're not that great. My friends, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant... 
Inflation is hitting everyone where it hurts, and it's really hurting. I heard about Upside, used it, and I want to recommend it passionately. It's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out, which is just about everyone. With every purchase, I'm earning, you can earn, you can earn cash back thanks to Upside. I only advocate what I've tried and can confirm to be true. That's exactly what happens, and it's easy to use. To get started, download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Use the promo code Dennis and Julie and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. It's very simple. In comparison to credit card awards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code Dennis and Julie to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code Dennis and Julie, the Upside app. It, it shocked me, all this vocabulary. The, the, the number of times parents tell their kids how great they are. I know. Uh, well, I, I said during our last episode, you would not believe the amount of times during my graduation that we were told that we oh, were the best right. thing to happen yes. to the universe since sliced bread. What do you think that does since to our heads? Before sliced bread. <laughs> right. Ever. Ever. I know. Well, I, I think the most tragic thing, and I'm certainly going to discuss this in the book, the most tragic thing is that we grew up without religion. And especially as I'm it is. rereading right. your Torah commentary and I'm reading Mere Christianity right now by C.S. Lewis. And look, I will admit, I don't know what I believe right now. I'm Well, you, no, you I'm do. You don't know what theology you believe. Right. That's, That's very what I important. meant to say. You yes. really do know what you Fair believe. Fair enough. Thank you for that clarification. You're right. I don't know what theology... Um, theology, excuse me, I believe in, but I'm reading this and it's just, every time I read your Torah commentary or I read really any religious text, it feels, when I go back to it, it feels like I'm going back to a historical site that I'm excavating and each time I find a new precious jewel. It's so rich and it is, it has enriched my life so much, I truly see the world differently. And I thought, my God, the fact that swaths of people in my generation have never read any of this in their lives. It really is a tragedy. And the reason why we don't value religion is precisely because we are constantly taught to value ourselves. I can't tell you how many times in, and I loved my high school. We can, we can get into a separate conversation about that. There were many parts of my high school that I'm very grateful for, but we were constantly told, rah, 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 trust yourself, be a leader. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself, defy the system, stand up. And we were constantly told to be leaders. And I think that people gravely underestimate the value of being a follower in some respects. And, you know. Is that true? Making yourself subservient to principles that are greater than yourself. And I never heard anything like that. It's a tremendous inner peace in that. Yes. Oh, Moses is greater than me. 
Right. God is greater than me. We the were, Torah is greater we than We were me. never told that second part. I have no problem with telling people that you should be leaders and that you should stand up for what's right. I think that's good and I think that's healthy. But we, but the that second and crucial part was never – What do you follow? Okay, what do you're you all follow? leaders, but I'm just curious. Yes. What do you follow? My heart. My truth. Oh, yes, my truth. My truth. So this reminds me – of, of a very central part of my life that you, I think, can understand, can appreciate in light of what you just said. So I have a line which is very, very rare among Jews or Christians. Obviously, when you say the word Torah, you're, you're referring to the first five books, the five books of Moses in the, in the Hebrew, but that's what it's known as. And it's the, it's the most essential part of the whole Bible, Jesus would have said so. I mean, uh, this is not a... Jesus loved the Torah. He, well, he, it's all—it's what he knew. I mean, he, he, as I note, he never read the New Testament. But uh, I have said to audiences, and really this is relatively recent, even though I always felt this, but I never articulated it, and now I do. I don't believe in the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. Because I believe in God, I believe in God because I believe in the Torah. Right. My vehicle to God is this scripture. It is so obviously divine. Mm -hmm. It's it's genius. It is. I'm convinced of its divinity because there's nothing else like it. Nothing. There's nothing that compares to it in terms of wisdom. 3,200 years ago. I know. People were, were... Every society on earth was still sacrificing human beings when this sublime text was written. I know. One of the best parts about your Torah commentary, sorry, Juliet and Virginia for the compliment, but it's true. Um, You talk about the radical inventions of the Torah. Of course, you you pull out the many lessons of wisdom, but I appreciate the the parts when you're saying God... God specified when he created the sun and the moon that they were to light up the day and the night, respectively. And you're saying this de-deifies the sun and the moon. Right. And that a lot of societies – and there are many examples of that throughout the Bible. Also, another great thing that you point out is that polygamous marriages are frowned down upon in the Bible. There are all of those um, moral radical inventions that Mm. we think just – came out of thin air and no one understands that it came from the Bible. That's a thing that I point, really try to point out to people my age constantly. I say to them, you know, for all that you disparage and excoriate the religion and Judeo-Christian values in the Bible, you are not only the beneficiaries of those values, but you actively practice those values. You don't even realize it. That's right. We are running off of the fumes right now of Judeo-Christian culture. And so I say to them, you know, I had an interesting debate with one of my friends recently where I said, I actually brought up your PragerU video where you said if God does not exist or without – I want to get the wording right so you tell me if this is correct. Without God, murder isn't wrong. Right. Right. You can think it's wrong. Of course. But it isn't objectively wrong. Right. And I was pressing her on these societal values that we have embraced that, again, we just think sort of exist in the ether. That's right. And I say, you know, well, why is why is murder wrong? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, it's wrong because every person is precious. And I said, okay, well, what if someone 
wrongs you? What if someone gravely mistreats you or hurts a member of your family? You know, why, why isn't it wrong to kill that person? Anyway, I just kept tracing the logic back to the Bible. And I was just trying to provide an example of... Well, every person is precious. Yes. Is, is well, exactly. That's biblical. what I said. I said, you know, where do we think that Yes, get, where'd you get that from? Chapter 1 or it's chapter cert- 2 of Genesis. No society in history before the Bible said every person is, is precious. It, yeah, created in the image and likeness of God. Where do we get that? I know. So I, I try to point that out to people. You know, another thing, in addition to the credo that we've been taught that we should trust ourselves and believe in ourselves as opposed to um, something something higher. I think another huge reason why religiosity has declined is that people in my generation are also taught that there are no superior values or no superior lifestyles. Mm -hmm. Everything is just morally neutral. You know, there's nothing superior about a two-parent household as opposed to a single-parent household. There's nothing superior about having children in wedlock as opposed to having children outside of wedlock. And, you know, it's it's seen as oppressive and judgmental to say that these things are – these kinds of lifestyles yield better results. And so when you come to someone and you say that, you know, Christianity or Judaism or, you know, the older New Testament, if you follow those works, it, it leads to a better, happier – more productive life they'll just tell you that that's that's a bigoted way of thinking because you're putting one group or one idea so i have a lot of reactions one is they would never say that to a muslim who said you know the quran leads to a better life oh that's beautiful of course Uh, beautiful well the bhagavad-gita hindu said leads to a better life so, so people should understand they don't oppose that language. They right. only oppose it with regard to Western civilization Absolutely. and Christianity in, in particular. Absolutely. And I say to people all the time, I go, the whole project of civilization has been declaring that some lifestyles are superior to others. For instance, I think we can all agree that brushing our teeth is a superior way of life to right. not brushing so your teeth. So they would say science says that and they worship science. So that right. would be okay. But anything in the moral sphere. But even even the way that we, uh, I, you know, I was just driving to work and I was thinking, look at the way that we pave our roads and the way that we organize things with the yellow line in the middle. And the, you know, we we have come to that conclusion that that way of organization is better than cars right. just willy nilly. Why, why doesn't that exist in the social moral? Exactly. Role? Why right. doesn't it? Yeah. And they don't they don't have an answer so for it. So I I am both sad and proud to tell you, I. I remember when the term multiculturalism was invented. Really? When yes, was it? I would say it was probably the 80s. I think it was. Maybe the 70s. It must God, have been. that recently. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And I wrote, I wish I could find it, though. I don't know where it was published. I, I gave a speech and I wrote how this is the end of civilization as we know it. And I remember vividly thinking nobody hears me, even my own side. What's wrong with multiculturalism? It sounds so beautiful. Everybody brings their own culture to the table. America is a quilt, not a, not a, uh, not a melting pot. And all of these lines about that. I said, no, no, America is multi-ethnic, not multicultural. Yes. And that, I, I said, that is the end. 
it, it means no culture is multiculturalism means no culture is better than another. Right. But that would that the left has done that. They did that first in, in the arts. There right. was no oh. beauty and there was no ugly. Remember, there was that urinal that was on display in one of the oh the gold the, the golden urinal yes at, at the uh, Guggenheim Museum in right. New York. And by the way, just for just for the record, the the, the toilet had a name like any art piece. The fountain Amer- America. Oh God, it was called America. Yes, you could pee I in America. I'm, I think I'm thinking of another urinal. <laughs> Oh, many, really? That's called the fountain, yes. Oh, these are very, absolutely. Well, scatological uh, art is a very big deal. It's called America? Yes. How? how <coughs> sorry, Sean. I'll start over. It's called America? How disrespectful. Why, why are you apologizing to Sean if you cough? <laughs> because I know he's the one that has to edit it out. Uh, I feel bad. I don't think you should edit it out. You know how many people have written to me? Uh, yeah. Does Julie ever cough? <laughs> I do cough. And it's, you know, when, when you're... When I'm guest hosting for you on the radio, you have a cough button because it's just That's you talking. Right. Oh, but well, now you have, no, 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 you have it there. I know, but it wouldn't I make know, a difference. You, yes, Your uh, mic would pick it up. Uh, oh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we should keep it in. I am a real person, people. I cough. I I do generally, yes. Uh, it, it's, it's Sean's call, but uh, I, I don't have an issue with it. Seriously, though, that is, that is very disrespectful. I, I can't is? believe that. To call the urinal America. How well, gross. Disrespectful, that's an understatement. Oh, God. But th- this is what goes for art. As you know, I recently graduated from college, and I'm very proud of that accomplishment. But I want to tell you about a great college in New York City. The King's College is a Christian liberal arts college in New York City's financial district, providing a disciplined curriculum with a Christian worldview, both in person and online. The King's College has majors in business, finance, journalism, media, religion, and more. Every program is rooted in a politics, philosophy, and economics core curriculum, which provides students with a framework for understanding the way the world works and how it's influenced. Because of this, King's graduates are well-rounded, critical thinkers. King's faculty pride themselves in not sharing their opinion on topics, but instead teaching the historical context that roots the issues of the day. They like to say that students come to King's to earn their opinion. Faculty don't teach students what to think, but how to think. Both the online and in-person education from King's will prepare you to interact in any industry. King's alumni thrive after graduation. Students are successfully going on to graduate schools such as Harvard, Columbia, and Yale, or beginning careers at reputable and impressive organizations such as the Department of Justice, the Wall Street Journal, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Charity Water, Marc Jacobs, and more. Find out how you can attend the King's College in person or online by visiting tkc.edu today. Apply to the King's College for free today at tkc.edu. Don't just go to college, go to King's. Start your journey at tkc.edu. So the multicultural thing was nothing's better than anything else. And that is, that's the root of our problems. Right. There, do you know there's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania Law School she wrote a piece a few years ago. I had her on the show. I don't remember her name right now. And she wrote a piece with a professor from, I think, UC San Diego, a law professor. 
And it was that middle-class bourgeois values are really the best. Basically, (laughs) graduate high school, get a job, get married, and then have children. You follow that prescription, you will probably have a successful life. And there's an not exciting a lot. and rich not, life. Oh, exactly. Exactly correct. <laughs> uh, but that, so that leads me to conclude, why does the left hate such, and they hated her. The, the, there, were, there was a movement of hundreds of professors to have her and no longer teach the introductory course and eventually to leave the university. I don't know if she's still there Just or not. because of... That. Oh, they hated her for that. Oh, bourgeois, middle-class American values are better? Oh, you, 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 you might as well say the N-word. Here's what I want to know. How many of those faculty members that don't oppose this then. woman... Well, how many That's of right. them are married? How many right. of them have kids in right. wedlock? How many right. of them show up to work on time and right. save and invest? That's I mean, right. give me a break. Yes, give you a break is right. They... So they hate these, and I and I ask myself constantly, this is what motivates me, the why? question why. Why would people hate those values, which they ironically, as you point out, live? Mm-hmm. And to them, I think there are many reasons. And by the way, I think that's the key question. Why does the left hate what it hates? Is as important as what does it hate? Mm-hmm. Why does it hate those middle class values? One of one of the reasons is, in my opinion, it sounds boring. Totally, we discussed this. I think a few episodes ago. Absolutely. By the way, I rely on you. <laughs> I, I, I've come to realize you remember everything we've said. This is great. It's like having a a, a recording. In, pre- in my presence. Well, you always know when we're on the phone, I'll quote something that you said offhandedly on a phone call or in it, person. You'll yes. go, oh, so my God. It's a combination of your being female and having an unbelievable memory. I will say I do have an unbelievable memory. In sixth grade at my elementary school, I'm really glad that they had us do this. We had to memorize all of the countries and capitals in the world, and we were tested on them. And I did really well on that because I, I really have been blessed with an incredible memory. I love that you had to do that I know in sixth grade in sixth grade do you still remember them I can remember many of them of course now you're going to start quizzing me well I am curious I think that I, first of all so I learned all the capitals in, in about sixth grade but not at school yeah you did it on your own no and I'll tell you how though you, you'll really get a kick out of this <coughs> so the uh you've heard of baseball cards right yes kids collect baseball yes. cards they were a big thing when I was a kid baseball cards so they they sold and I, I I would pay money. I'm gonna look it up on the internet. I would I would buy them at you know any you know, feasible cost. They so they put out one year flag cards. So what the card oh, had I would love to Oh you have, have no that. idea. I, I relish these cards even more than baseball cards. Mm-hmm. So you had the flag of the country so let's say you got five cards per pack. So you got five flags. And and then the flag in the front with some, you know, il- illustration of something that typifies the country. Then you turn the card around and it had language spoken, capital, population, 
It's amazing that I remember oh this. Oh my gosh. Products produced. Where can we get this? And then and then a few phrases like how are you? My name is in their language. I memorized everything, even the exports. Uh, and that is how I learned the capitals of every country. You know, I have been doing that as just an exercise on my own. I have a big uh, map of the world in my room, and I label the country because, you know, I just think it's good for me to remember the location of I, – I can identify France on a map, but Croatia I have a harder time with. And I've been trying to look up the population, do that on my own. How fun would it be if I could just look at cards? I bet they don't produce them anymore. Oh, of course not. They, no I one think would it was want one them. Year, no. Uh, 1956? Tops Flags of the World cards. Wait, would, so now I know. I, I, so there I was. Can I, we buy them? So I was seven years old. <coughs> and, and, and so it shows you how early I loved this stuff. I, I was love seven. it too. I loved that unit in sixth grade. I... First of all, as I said, I do have a great memory, but it was so interesting to learn about the world and to be armed with those facts. I, I bet if you quizzed me, though, you can quiz me on two or three. All right, fine. All okay, right. Colombia. Bogota. Mm, that was fast. Uh, Honduras. Oh, no. That's no, a toughie. No. That's a toughie. And I've been there. What is it? Tegucigalpa. Oh, yes. I remember that. I remember that was a hard one to spell. Uh, I remember... Being a male, I remember, oh, Tegucigalpa. Oh, my God. <laughs> that took a moment. Sean, what do you think of that? I, I, Sean is not, even Sean's disgusted. Oh, my God. It, for me to gross out Sean oh is my. really an achievement. <laughs> I'm thinking of, oh, gosh, I don't, I'm hesitating right now. I'm in my brain. I'm thinking, do I say this? Do I not? Well, Sean uh-huh. can edit it out if it's bad. Yeah. There's a Lake Titicaca. Oh, yes. The lo- yeah. h- highest lake in the world highest in Peru. Highest lake in the world in Peru. Yes. yes. Yeah. Lake Titicaca. The only thing I get all the time right in Trivial Pursuit is geography. I know this planet, and I've probably been there. I've been to all these countries. Boy, I want to travel as much as you. And you. All right, so you know your aim is 130. Boy, that's, that's hard not to easy. meet. That is not what easy. What you'll have to do, I don't know any other way, you will have to go abroad essentially every year. What is the favorite place you've been to? Okay, there is no... I love the question, and there is no answer. I... I I loved virtually every place I have visited. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I won't say the ones I didn't, uh, but uh, I, I don't want to insult any, any given country or culture, but overwhelmingly I've loved every one. However, if one were to ask me, where would I most want to go back? That might be a, a good way of asking the question. Cause then yeah, then that's I, a better way of I can't say it. it doesn't matter. All 130 would bring me the same degree of interest and joy. I get a very big kick out of India, and I, I so I as usual, I asked why, because there were two countries that I always want to go back to: Israel and India. The two eyes. The two eyes. So I, I've, I, I, I like this about myself, if I'm allowed to say that I always ask why whether it's about me or, or anything. And I go, why, Dennis? What 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 does India and Israel have in common? And then I came up with an answer. They're the only two countries with their own religion. 
Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yes. The Jewish country is Israel. The mm-hmm. Hindu country is India. So when you were in India, what was it about the daily life or okay, the sites so, that okay. gra- it, grabbed you? First, Indians are live wires. They're, 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 they're alive. I mean, you see yeah. the Indians in the United States. The, the, these people, they, uh, they, they're bright. They have strong opinions. Uh, so I enjoy Indians. And the, the, I enjoy the complete creation of a world based on a, on a unique religion. Mm-hmm. There are so many Christian countries. There are so many Muslim countries. But there's one. I mean, you, you could say that, that it's not you know a Hindu country. There's uh, uh, there's Bali. Bali is Hindu Hindu in the middle of Indonesia. But as a country, India is the Hindu country. And then there, there, there are just unique parts. The temples are unique, obviously. But to, to walk down a, a road or a major boulevard, not forget road, major boulevard in, a, in an Indian city, you're, you're uh, window shopping, and you turn around, and there's a cow behind you. That's, that's a kick. That is. I got to admit, it I, is. I'd been there four times, maybe five, I think four. Mm-hmm. And I never lose the fascination of of walking next to a cow on a, on a major boulevard. I mean, it's like going down Broadway, and there are a lot of cows as well. And I I actually like it. It, it, it at first it's just holy holy cow, mm-hmm. Can't literally, it. yeah. Well, that's right. It is literal because they're holy. That's that's right, and yet it, it makes you think about the relationship to animals and the world and the soul. Anyway, uh, it, it's just a fascinating place. It's also gorgeous. I mean, there are places. There are so, you know, it's a continent. India right. is not a country. India is a continent, and there's so much of it I haven't seen. Right. It, it will surpass China in terms of population in 2023. So, Sean reports it will it will surpass. Wow. China, really? In, in population. Terms of population? Yeah. By next, 2023. Next year. Oh my gosh. Wow. Have you ever noticed that towels just don't seem to dry you anymore? They feel soft and lotiony in the stores, but you get them at home and they just don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow endeavored to change that. He founded one of the best towel companies right here in the United States. They use proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work too. They are all made with USA cotton and they come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. For a limited time, you can get a six-piece set, two bath towels, two hand towels, and two wash towels. All made, again, with USA Cotton, regularly for just $109, now for $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including these towels. Just enter the promo code HARTMAN, that's my last name, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, or call 1-800-566-6745 and enter the promo code HARTMAN. You know, I've been very lucky, Dennis, to have traveled a lot in my life. I don't think you even know this about me. I've been to Russia. I've been to... Really? I I went to Russia on a cruise when I was five. And I don't remember much, 
but I do remember what I called the Cupcake Tower in St. Petersburg. I, what is that? I have no idea. I've been to St. Um, Petersburg. It must be one one of their. Um, I think it's a. God, you know, I should really know what well, the hell it what, is before well, I bring I, it up. Well, yeah, that's true. Sean, but the, you've uh, got to look this up. That's Literally, funny. Just look up Cupcake Tower, Russia. I think it's a church or a basilica or maybe a government, I but it's in St. Petersburg. I think the name is what made it to a five-year-old well, a five, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, the I, I remember the... Cupcake Tower. <laughs> I remember the Matryoshka dolls. My mom got me one of them. They're the dolls. You know, they're the little ones inside. I've been to Estonia, um, France, Italy, Germany. Um, That's that's a lot. I've been to uh, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. Really? Yes. That was a trip, actually. Your parents took you all over? So I've been to Europe a fair amount, but I remember during my senior year of college for spring break, I begged begged my parents to take me to Asia. I did an entire PowerPoint. I came up with an itinerary. I wanted this. And we went, and it was one of the most extraordinary trips of my life. And look, I mean, I don't need to tell everyone how how good traveling is and and how much you learn. It's obvious. One of the things, as you know, um, I loved about my trip to Israel is that the Israelis have such spirit. They have such patriotism. Look at what we just talked about earlier in this conversation. When they cheers, they go "Lahayim to life." I just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not trying to disparage Americans, but I think that we, we don't, especially people in the environments that I live in, we don't f- live life the way that and appreciate life the way that other people do. Look at what you just. What did you say about? Um, People in India, you said that they're wired live, or they're live wires. They're live wires. I just when I go abroad, so I feel the like Vietnamese, by the way. Oh, totally. And people in Cambodia, I, I were well, just Cam- lovely. The they were lovely, but they're it's a sad country. Oh, Cambodia. it's oh, it's so sad. Our tour guide was the sweetest, gentlest right. person, yes. and his father died. They they, they were traumatized. Genocide. They, they they had their own Holocaust. They did, and you know the world doesn't talk about it. No, no, they, not at all. And you know what else? You know I, why they don't talk about it? I'll either. tell you why they don't. Because communists did it. Right. That's right. And when I went to their country, we had the tour guide, and he took us to Angkor Wat, and took us to you know these various historical sites. And I was the one to ask about the genocide. He didn't bring it up. And I thought that was really interesting. And I said to him, why aren't you bringing this up to they me? They probably told his tour guides not to. Yes. You don't want to have a downer experience yes. for your tourists. A, you don't want to have a downer experience. B, he said a lot of people don't know. They so don't. they don't, they don't right. care to ask. I went to Cambodia primarily to go to the killing field. Oh, God. I, feel, I felt, I, I feel a moral obligation to honor the... The, the victims of genocides. Yes. So I have tried to do this everywhere. Especially one like the one that happened in Cambodia. We don't we don't ever hear about it. The first time I ever learned about it was when I watched... Actually, Angelina Jolie made this documentary because one of her adopted children is... Um, you, you don't say Cambodian, right? You yeah, say you Khmer? No, well, Khmer is their term. Right. Okay. So Cambodian. And it's called First They Killed My Father. Boy, you should watch that documentary. I think the final scene, it's on Netflix, everyone, if you'd like to watch it. It is well worth your time. It is it is so moving, terribly heartbreaking. I think the last scene of that documentary, I won't say what it is. It's, it's peaceful, but it's contemplative. I think it is one of the most moving scenes in television I've ever watched. 
I think about it about two or three times a week. It is that moving. Just just a plug for that documentary. But do you know what I'm saying, Dennis? Maybe I didn't phrase it as eloquently as I should have about how people abroad seem to appreciate and live life more fully than most Americans. Sometimes I feel like we're we're well, going through remember, the, the you, motions here. Well, on behalf of Americans, it's important to note you have lived in a deadened world. Oh, that's totally the, the, the what world, I mean. The world of Harvard or any university right. is a dead world. They're emotionally dead, and right. it's a virtue. They have the NPR passion. None. Yes. To sound like an NPR reporter. Oh, so dry is, and right, monotone. Right. Yes. Yes. That is the ideal. And and I, I remember, do you know, I wrote in my uh, diary in, in high school, I one of the only regrets of my life is that I didn't continue it, but I, I am inherently lazy, as I point out often. And, That's hilarious, by the way. You are uh, right. I the know, author of ten yes, books right. in a nationally syndicated radio show is lazy. Okay, All right. Uh, I I overcome it a lot, but I did I didn't overcome it with the diary. Anyway, I remember writing something to the effect that to show passion is like forbidden it's forbidden in this generation totally and and that was so long ago that's the baby boomers who were pretty old today so this 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 goes back some time but it's far worse on the left yes the only emotion you're allowed to show is anger yes i should have clarified look it is especially prevalent in the environments that i'm in this deadened way of life and i just again when i went to israel i couldn't believe how how alive they were that's true and I, I just I realized, oh, here we have the the cupcake tower. Thank you, Rick. That's the cupcake. Okay, tower? what is it called? Please humiliate me. The name speaks. The, it says Church of the Savior on spilled okay, blood. Okay, so it is a church. Yeah, but it's where did a, where does he get cupcake tower? It looks like cupcakes. This you see the spires. Okay, for, with all respect, there is not a. A, a, a mention at all here of Cupcake Tower. <laughs> well, I called it I called it the Cupcake oh, Tower. Oh, you called no, it people, the Cupcake people Tower. People don't call it the Cupcake oh, Tower. Oh, I thought, well, people I will like, say, I'm supposed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You're supposed to be able to read my yes, mind, well, I Well, that's right. It's okay, but I will say, dream. in fairness to myself, I think I called it the Cupcake Tower. But when I say to people, I went to Russia, and the one thing I remember is that cupcake tower they know what they know what i'm talking about because i i think it has been observed before that the spires do look like cupcakes please please look it up dear listeners and email me weigh in on this debate i love that architecture that's the russian orthodox architecture this is the this is the one thing i remember we actually have a family photo in front of it that i treasure i have to say the the eastern and western churches their cathedrals if you don't feel, I mean, I'm a Jew saying this, uh, and yet I walk into any of these cathedrals, I, f- I immediately feel closer to God. Oh, uh, completely. I don't, know, I don't know how you don't. Again, that's why I think Israel meant so much to me. When I went to the Western Wall and oh. when I went to the Basilica of the Annunciation, that was, I, I did feel closer to God. By the way, you, I thought of this when you were mentioning the card game. When I went to, meaning the the card flag game, when I went to the Basilica of the Annunciation in Nazareth, 
they have this um, they have this wall that surrounds the basilica, and on the wall they have a picture uh, that has been donated by each country of the Virgin Mary. Each country was tasked with providing this basilica with their own image. That was one of the where more fast – the Basilica of the Annunciation were – Where? Oh, in Israel. In Israel. Oh, in Nazareth. And they have – I have pictures I can show it to you after we're done recording. I would show them to you now, but that would probably be kind of boring for our listeners. But Google this, you guys. It's really, really fun. And, you know, China obviously depicts – the Virgin Mary looking like a Chinese woman and the you just you see the motifs of each country and the way that they not only view the Virgin Mary but the way that they depict people. It is fascinating. It taught me so much about those nations. You know I I know you how long do I know you now? Two years? Two years. It's amazing. Almost two like years. Not even life, two years. It? I know it does. And you really resonate to the loss that has taken place with I the do. death of God and religion. I do. Which, which I think three years ago would have been foreign to your thinking. You know, I do remind myself, you're right, you're absolutely right about that, but I do remind myself that at the beginning of my, I like to call it my journey that summer of 2020 when I discovered your work, my mom actually reminded me the other day that before I even read your books, I read – I was trying to educate myself more on religion. I actually ordered this book by Max Anders. It's called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. It's just a very simple introductory book. And I I really was trying to get it. So I think that there was something that maybe it was um, – sped up by COVID, or maybe it was just my getting older and realizing that um, these secular environments that I'm in can be quite desiccating. But I really, th- there was something that happened to me that summer that motivated me and, and made me made me see it in some capacity. Because look, I had to, I had to at some level understand the loss in order to take the first step to read your book That's and to read this very, Max very Anders book. Point. I'd like you to ask me, not today, we don't have the time. Why I have spent so much more time writing and talking about the importance of God than the existence of God. And and why I think that is what every single clergyman and religious spokesman and writer should do. May see, I endeavor to answer your question? Yeah. Well, this is something that I've been thinking of because a lot of people ask me, what if this is all a hoax? What if it isn't true that, you know, what if religion really is just made up and humans wrote the Bible? There's no such thing as God. I would still say, so what? So what? This this makes you live better. It makes you a happier person following these values. It it has certainly created the best civilization in the entire right. history what of the universe. What is the loss if you take God and the Bible seriously? Yes, there's no to loss. What is the loss if you don't? Exactly, it's monumental. Is that is that close to what yes. you were going to say? Right. Well, well, yeah, of course, it's one aspect. But you know, now you're tempting me to start to answer. Just the please question. start answering. Well, no, I, I it, it's okay. In a nutshell, we should do it at length. But in a nutshell, it's it's partially. Because 
of its importance to me, the importance of God rather than just the existence. But it's the biggest reason is if you believe God exists but don't understand why that's significant. It's virtually it's, useless. It's the same as atheism. Right. It's useless. That right. is exactly right. Mm-hmm. And they don't. So right. th- th- that's why most people do believe in God, but it's, it's, it's pointless. They believe in what I call a celestial butler, as you've heard me say yes. so often. I love that. You know, you know, take care of me. You know, uh, I need the following. Have a great day. But what does this God want from you? Or why, why is murder not wrong if God isn't behind do not murder? Oh boy, is that true. That's the stuff that matters. Or as I, as I open the introduction to my rational Bible, mm-hmm. why did I honor my parents every single day of my life, even when I had hard times with them when I was younger? Because I believe God instructed me to honor your father and mother in the Ten Commandments. And by the way, in the Ten Commandments, I point out from the Hebrew, which thank God I know well, it's all in the singular. There's a singular and plural for you and for verbs in Hebrew, not in English. So honor your father and mother could be you individually or your whole whole people. But right. in Hebrew, it's in the singular. God is directing the Ten Commandments to you and individually and me individually. Boy, is that important. Oh, it's unbelievably important. You know, you raise such a good point that you really have to understand it, understand the importance that is of of God and what he wants out of us rather than just believing in his existence. I found that to be the case, if I can make an imperfect analogy to my schooling. I remember in high school, I would get, you know, the bare bones of something, but because I was always trying to learn something so that I would perform well on the test, I didn't really understand the significance. And now that I'm 22 years old, I know that Shakespeare wrote many sonnets. I can tell you that there's a sonnet 79 and there, you know, I can tell you the bare bones of things. I don't remember what's significant about sonnet 79. I don't remember, you know, and in a way that's, that's a failure because I can, take away something very bare bones but the thing that really matters i can't i can't remember by the way on that subject do you think your high school is still teaching shakespeare sonnets uh no i do not i i don't know that for certain they very well could be but my high school has gone down the drain and it is very sad to me i mentioned to you um a few minutes ago that i'm very grateful in many respects for my high school experience i had wonderful teachers i do think that there was a culture of doing well on exams that i think should have been um not as emphasized but of course i blame myself for that that really came from me anyway i i have great things to say about my the high school that i went to I'm very sad about what my high school has turned into. Ready for this? Oh, you're going to get a load of this one. They have now something called healing rooms. So if you're in a class and someone says something that you don't like, the entire class goes to a healing room. That is... (laughs) Yeah. That is led by one of the school counselors. Wait, I want to get that clear. You are... You are hurt by or object to something yes. that was said. 
That was said. Who goes to the healing room? The entire class. I, I, it's what I thought you said, and I thought yes. I, I didn't understand that. Not not nope. you who was hurt. Nope. The entire class goes to a te- goes to the healing room for a session. Ready for this? If the teacher says something that you don't like, the yeah. teacher is summoned to the healing room. And I, actually, I think that you do go first individually, and then oftentimes the class comes too. I've also heard that what, if you cheat goes, on a test, yeah. you go to the healing room. You're kidding me. No. You can retake tests at my high school multiple times because apparently that's equity. You Homework doesn't count anymore. Participation doesn't count because some people don't feel comfortable participating. Dennis, you would not believe what a radical shift this is. When I was in high school, I actually think it was unhealthy in the other direction. We had so much work. Retaking I assume tests. Are women you kidding? run that school. They, well, yeah, it's an right. all-girls school. Well, but it, right. So that's a given why I assume that. But it's true for most schools. Right. Whenever people say, it's a common stupid cliche, oh, the world, if it was run by women, it would be much better. I, I just, know. Oh, really? You think your schools are better? They're all run by women. I know. That's my immediate answer. You don't know what the hell you're, you're talking right. about. I know, and I'm I'm sorry to say it as a woman myself, but it's true. It is true. It, my school has gone down the drain because they have succumbed to the emotional woke crap. What happens in the healing room? Do you know? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, so we we know. I want to go undercover. In, you in should. That, in that I healing would, room, I would really love to know. Do you know any kids who are there now? I do. The, well, this is how I'm getting my information. So ask them what goes on in the healing room because I know what goes on in some safe spaces. Right. At college. It's called safe right. space. Yes. So you, oh, I know. You, you get stuffed animals to play with. You watch uh, videos of, of kittens frolicking. Mm-hmm. You get hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. You get to use Play-Doh. Yep. This is for college-age kids. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. That, I'm sure they had one at Harvard. Did they have a safe space at Harvard? I mean, I have no... I wouldn't know. I would... If, I wouldn't well, pay yeah, attention. Well, no, yeah, I know, but I am, I, very, I am curious. I can imagine that they did, but my... My high school, it's really scary. It has made such a 180. And I'm, you know, I graduated, what, four years ago? It's not like I've been out for 20 years. No, it's beyond belief how fast. You you cannot believe how different my high school experience was. We had no healing rooms. You might as well have gone when I did. Oh, Oh my That's gosh! That's right. It is. Yes. It's really sad. your high school experience is closer to me fifty years earlier right. than it is to kids four years earlier. Yes, four years later. I know. And you know, I've thought about going back and speaking. I don't know if they would have me. They would probably. They probably want to revoke my diploma at this point, which is so sad. I was so beloved, if I do say so myself, at that school when I went to that school. Now I'm sure they're ashamed to have me be an alumna. But I wear that with a badge of honor because if a woke school is ashamed to have me as an alumna, then that means I've done something right. But I think about going back there, and I'm not kidding. I think if I got up and I said something really, really benign, like, I don't know, what's a very benign statement? Yeah, men don't give birth. The police are good. We need police to protect us. I think they would throw tomatoes at me. Even if I just said something like homework should count, participation should count. I'm not kidding. I think I would be booed out of there after one minute. Oh, and ready for this? Oh, just to add to the list, many of the students still voluntarily wear N95s to 
to school. They they mandated that students wear masks masks to school this past year. I think in March they said it was optional. And I was told by someone I know who goes to that school that nearly the entire student body still wears them. Really? Yes. These are young, healthy right. girls. Yes. Teenage girls. The, the, the least affected group of all oh, by uh, young people in general, not boys or girls, doesn't matter. It, it, what is it? What was the statistic I read uh, on the air, actually? And it was from the Washington Post, so it came from a woke source, that uh, more young people committed suicide and died from drugs than oh, from I COVID. Know. Fentanyl is the number one cause of death in yes, 18 right. to 25 yes. or something but like I, that. But I even think suicides alone. Yes. I think suicide's number two. Boy, how sad. This world. No, I know. I, 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 I can't tell you. Unfortunately, I have a lot of material for a book. I wish I didn't. I wish I had no material to write that book, but I've got an excess of material. I think if you write what the left has done to my generation. I'm writing it now. You will... Uh, you will not only do a service, but you'll have a bestseller on your hands. I do believe that. And you know what? But again, that actually makes me sad. Yes. That makes me sad no, that I, that kind I, of book would, that, would be a bestseller. That's correct. I wrote a piece, you should look it up, uh, year, years and years ago, before wokeness really was even a term, about how my generation owes yours an apology. <laughs> You kind of do, but also, yeah. as you know, we both we both care very much about in you know the power of the individual. No, clearly, I mean the outlier is is the key. Yes, as I have learned in all of my life. Good stuff. Good stuff. This is fun. Okay, you guys, you can email me at julie at julie-hartman.com, and I want to know if you think it is a fair characterization to call this thing the cupcake tower. Oh my God! This is a this is a source think, of animosity I, I, between I, us I now. I think there are more important things for you to write, Julie, about. But do write her. I read all of my mail. See you next week, Julie. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.